The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon and welcome to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community. Your host is Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. This hour is designed to inspire, inform, and to help you live better with cancer. Now, here's your host, Kim Tibaldo. Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Cancer, an internet radio show that focuses on informing and inspiring people to live well with cancer. My name is Linda House. I'm the Executive Vice President for External Affairs here at the Cancer Support Community, and I'm filling in today for our CEO and President, Kim Tebaldo. The Wellness Community and Gilda's Club have united to become the Cancer Support Community. We are one of the largest providers of cancer support in the United States and around the world. Our services are offered at over 170 locations worldwide online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org and by telephone helpline. And that number, which we will repeat later in the show, is 888-793-9355. September is Prostate Cancer Awareness Month. With about one in seven men diagnosed with prostate cancer in their lifetime, it is the second most common cancer affecting American men. Like others facing a cancer diagnosis, those with prostate cancer often need emotional and, spo- emotional and social support to fully deal with its challenges. And I would also say that this definitely applies to their families. On this episode of Frankly Speaking About Cancer, we will explore unique issues to patients and families who are impacted by prostate cancer, as well as hear about sources of support that are available to them. We are happy today to be joined by Tom Kirk, who is the CEO of Us2 International. It is a nonprofit focused on support for those affected by prostate cancer. Welcome to the show, Tom. Thank you very much, Linda. Yes, you and I have known each other for so many years. I'm so excited to, to have you here and happy that you're a, you're a part of this. Why don't you start by telling our listeners a little about you and also about Us2? Well, that's great. I, I'm smiling. We have known each other for a long time, um, so it's great to join you today. Um, well, as you said, my name is Tom Kirk. Um, I'm the president and CEO of Us2 International. We're the prostate cancer education and support network, and I've been in this position now for 10 years. Um, my background has been in um, really voluntary, not-for-profit um, organizations similar to Us2 uh, for many, many years now. Uh, for example, I was on the senior management team of the Alzheimer's Association for a number of years, and I worked for uh, almost 20 years in the community as a social worker um, and director of different sorts of programs, many of them affecting men, uh, such as Vietnam Veteran Services. And us, too, was founded almost 25 years ago, so next year is a big year for us. Uh, We were founded here in the Chicagoland suburbs by a group of men um, trying to figure out how breast cancer had done such a great job of organizing and becoming visible. And they were curious about how can we do that as prostate cancer 
um, men and women, and how can we move forward um, and get organized? So following that formative meeting um, where they decided um, the name Us Too represents the fact that um, what affects many people from many of the cancers is the same for us, too, in prostate cancer. And our first charge was to raise awareness and provide support uh, for men and the families that are affected by prostate cancer. And can you tell our listeners how they would get more information about us, too? Sure. Um, these days, of course, uh, we both have an 800 line, which is um, 800 808-7866, and we have a very large web uh, presence at www.us2.org. And we will repeat those later in the show as well, in case you um, would like to grab a pencil to write that down. So, Tom, let's start about um, the experiences that you've had with prostate cancer. You know, how are you connected to this diagnosis? What really brought you to, uh, to have such a level of interest in prostate cancer that you would lead one of the largest patient organizations? Sure. Well, um, on the personal side, um, my father was a World War II veteran who, of course, didn't talk much in his life. Um, about issues that concerned him, but as he got older, um, he would frequently say to me, well, Tom, there are two issues that bother me. Uh, one is old-timer's disease, and the other is prostate cancer. Oh. Um, so we've come a long way from the day when, when my father was um, trying to express to me what his concerns were, and we now know, of course, uh, the impact that both of those diseases, Alzheimer's disease has and prostate cancer have um, on men as we age. So um, from an early, I guess, uh, in my early on in my career, my father's sort of uh, warning or expressing of his concerns um, for his own health sort of tweaked my interest in men's issues. Um, and then I, as I worked through in my career, um, and then met my current wife, Margaret. Um, when I met her family, um, who were directly affected by prostate cancer, I saw the impact of the loss of her father. Um, you know Margaret, so let's just say for the audience that um, when my wife, Margaret, was a young mother, um, divorced mother of two, returning college student, um, her father... Um, was diagnosed with metastatic prostate cancer. Uh, Margaret's sister was still in high school at the time. Um, so when I met Margaret, um, I began to see clearly the impact that uh, cancer had on their family. Little did I know that it was prostate cancer. Um, and over time, um, I ended up in having the opportunity to work here um, with prostate cancer. I believe that prostate cancer is one of the major men's health issues um, that are affecting um, us here in the U.S., but also globally as our population ages. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and speak a little bit more about you know, how beyond that experience, which is clearly very personal and touching, uh, when you think about the, the macro-level experience and, and the patients with whom you engage, you know, how did that really emerge as um, a true social and emotional support need, and how did you advance that? Well, um, there's always a challenge working with men. I'm sure you all find that um, in your organization as well, because we as men, of course, are trained to be strong and quiet, strong and silent types, and we don't often talk about our weaknesses. We're not raised to 
um, or incorporated uh, into our society, into our roles, to, to admit that we're weak and uh, whiny, the opposite is the case. Uh, we're rewarded to be strong and silent. Um, so from a social issue, um, men talking about their health and about issues and caring for themselves um, and not sort of being heroic and silent is, is a major challenge for all of us, and it's one that's intrigued me really throughout my entire career and, and, and continues to intrigue me here at us, too, because it is sort of the headwind. It's uh, the force that we're against here to raise awareness and have men um, talk about and be concerned about their health issues. Um, you know, we're often told that it's heroic to let the women and children go first, um, so it takes a bit of relearning about what is heroic behavior, and that's sort of what we do here at us, too, um, because what we do know is that men will talk under the right circumstances. Mm-hmm. And so share with us some of the ways in which you've been able to break down some of those, um, those, those I hate to use the word barriers, but I mean it you know, in, in a positive kind of way. What have you done to sort of break those down? Well, I think, um, first of all, um, us, too, has... Um, stayed in business, if you will. We've, we've continued to, to prosper and grow um, over the last 25 years, so it can be done. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of the ways that we do that is to uh, approach men in an environment that's safe for them, um, that we can get sort of to the point where um, concern is expressed. Um, and what we know from men who've been through prostate cancer is that they're the warriors. They're the people who are the guardians of others who are at risk. So there's a real strong, uh, firm commitment here uh, because we are really uh, primarily a volunteer-based organization, a grassroots organization. So what the lessons we've learned is that um, expressing openness um, and creating the right sort of environment for people is exactly what men will respond to when they need um, uh, information. Now, what we've also learned, I think, a key to our success is to recognize that men don't really say up front they want support. They don't want to be weak and admit that they need support. But in fact, what they want to do is uh, be treated with respect and, um, and, and concern um, and to know that this is a safe environment for them um, to learn that what men see support as about is empowering themselves and learning, and that's okay and important. Right, right, absolutely. And um, so, so, what what type of awareness um, programs have you have you really engaged in? Is it more around disease state awareness? Is it around the the ability to get support? Is it reaching out to families? What really um, you probably do a little bit of everything. Yeah, what, what we do is, um, <clears throat> what we call this is about Sea Blue. Our mission um, is really, in th- and our programs are in three sort of distinct areas that are all interwoven, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, of course, recognize that pink is seen for breast cancer, and what we talk about here is blue for prostate cancer. So we talk about Sea Blue, support, education, and advocacy. Uh, support for us, and we're very well known within the prostate cancer community for a series of over 300 support group, uh, groups led by volunteers in their communities, usually meeting monthly, 
and, and always free, filled with all sorts of the latest information. Um, education is what we do in a variety of ways. We have a vast amount of, of free um, information with the latest um, information on prostate cancer. We do a monthly newsletter, for example, that we call the Hot Sheet. And sometimes we do special issues of that hot sheet that we call burning issues. So we're very much into providing the latest information both on our website through informational um, web uh, news articles and feeds of information to provide the leaders and the members of these support groups with the latest information. What we know from some of our survey work is that um, people value hope through the latest information. So prostate cancer, fortunately, we have a great deal of breaking information, new treatments, all of which is, it inspires hope in, in individuals to extend the lives um, of their loved ones and of men themselves to know that they have new armament, new tools, new ways to battle the, the disease and to extend their life. And the third area is to help people speak up. That challenge of men being quiet and not speaking is all about advocacy. Um, we're not based in the um, Washington, D.C. area, but we encourage our volunteers to speak up and to play active roles as representatives and consumers on research panel panels um, and reviewing proposals. So we have inspired a very active community of self-help um, and of of uh, advocates and champions uh, for the cause. Again, they, these guys are veterans with their own disease, so they have learned valuable lessons to share with others. Mm -hmm. Great. Thank you so much. We are going to have to go to a quick commercial break. Today's show is sponsored in part by Celgene, Lilly Oncology, and Onyx. And Tom, when we come back from commercial break, I'd love to spend some time getting into the details of prostate cancer with you um, on behalf of our listeners and hopefully answer some of the questions that they might have about the disease itself. So please stay with us through this commercial break, and we'll be right back with more on this topic and um, Tom Kirk as soon as we return. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Cancer. It's a lonely word. Terms I don't understand. Choices I never thought I'd have to make. But there is hope and help. Support from cancer survivors. Links to research and clinical trials. Help with finances and access to care. All behind you at Breakaway from Cancer. Created by Amgen to empower cancer patients. The cancer support community is proud to be a partner of Breakaway from Cancer. Hi, I'm Nick Nicolaitis, President and CEO of Morphotech, and we're delighted to be a sponsor of Cancer Support Community's Frankly Speaking About Cancer series. Morphotech and its parent company, Azi, are committed to human health care, and we recognize that patients and their families are the most important participants in the health care process. We salute our global advocacy partners who are devoted to improving the lives of people touched by cancer every day. Cancer Support Community is proud to be a partner of Magnolia Meals at Home, a new pilot program that aims to help patients by providing nourishing meals to households affected by breast cancer so loved ones can spend more quality time together. This program is currently available in and around two pilot cities, Andover, Massachusetts and Woodcliffe Lake, New Jersey. Participants will receive one delivery of meals every month for up to six months when enrolled in the program. 
Each delivery includes up to seven meals designed to help meet the nutritional needs of people living with breast cancer and 10 meals for family members. This novel program is brought to you by the Azi Women's Oncology Program, Magnolia. Cancer Care, the Cancer Support Community, and Meals on Wheels Association of America. To find out if you or loved ones are eligible, visit online at www.magnoliamealsathome.com or call 617-733-5848. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. Welcome back to Frankly Speaking About Cancer. Today we're speaking about prostate cancer um, and prostate cancer awareness with my friend and a good friend of the cancer support communities, Tom Kirk, who is the CEO of Us Too, which is an international prostate awareness and education um, advocacy organization. Tom, thank you again for being with us today. I really appreciate it. You bet. My pleasure. Um, I was hoping that we could spend some time here in segment two really understanding a little bit more about prostate cancer um, as, a, as an illness, not as a support uh, or the support that's needed alongside of it. But in the introduction, we talked about September being Prostate Cancer Awareness Month and that there are, in fact, about one in seven men diagnosed with prostate cancer in their uh, lifetime. I'm just wondering if you could give us a little bit um, more understanding around, you know, who develops prostate cancer? Are there any risk factors? What should what should our listeners be thinking about um, as they might be thinking about uh, their own potential experience with, with prostate cancer? You bet. I, I think there are a couple of uh, points I'll make to begin and then feel free to ask me some more questions so I don't drift too much on you. I talk about prostate cancer all the time, of course. I think one of the first things, Linda, to keep in mind for many men is that there are no symptoms early on generally for this disease. So there's an issue here that we try to address around raising awareness of something that for many men is just sort of not an issue. They think, well, I feel healthy, everything's fine. Um, and I don't need to bother to to uh, see a doctor. I'm fine. Um, so there's sort of a barrier here that we want to point out to people that often this is silent and there are no symptoms, so you feel good. Uh, and you don't think you need to go to visit the doctor, um, which is a very typical way that men approach life. If I feel fine, everything's good. I don't want to I don't want to mess with it. Mm-hmm. Um, secondly, there are some populations that are at risk uh, that we as guardians of people at risk, we want to make sure um, that we raise their antenna. Um, one is African Americans are at high risk. Um, number two, uh, veterans like Vietnam veterans are at risk because of their of Agent Orange and other toxins that they've come across in their environment. Uh, and number three, men who have it in their family. Um, so we want to make sure that men and their and their wives, other people around them, talk about their family history. Um, we often hear of men who who are shocked and amazed that nobody told them that their father had prostate cancer. So we want to make sure that people at risk um, understand prostate cancer is seen with the prevalence that you talked about in the beginning. One in seven. It's a huge number of people, and as you mentioned, it's the second most common cancer out there in men. So 
We now know that over 2 million men are walking around in the world now dealing with and living with prostate cancer. Um, it's also a killer for men who are diagnosed with metastatic disease. Um, it's a, the second largest cancer killer in men behind lung cancer. So we want to make sure that some of the myths that are out there about prostate cancer um, like it's an old man's disease and it's probably not going to kill you is not true for men who have metastatic disease. Um, and some of the confusion in the environment these days related to um, the government U.S. Preventive Services Task Force um, issues about uh, caution around screening um, just plain is something that men who are at risk, um, African-Americans, Vietnam vets, people who have it, their disease, need to be aggressive about PSA testing and not think that they can lay back and not pay attention to screening. So let's address screening. And I know that that has been a topic of conversation over the last several years. Who should have it? When should they have it? Right. Um, what type of screening um, they should have. So could you just bring us up to speed on what is sort of the latest in the conversation around screening for prostate cancer? Well, let me say to begin that um, we feel very firmly as prostate cancer advocates um, that you have a right to know if you have cancer. Bottom Mm -hmm. line, you have a right to know if you have cancer. Um, And then second of all, um, you need to be careful that you're not over-treated or under-treated. Nobody wants to be over-treated or over-diagnosed, and nobody wants to be under-treated either. So these are confusing and difficult decisions that people have to make. So part of what we do here is to make sure that people become empowered and they, they understand and we recognize that this is often a confusing environment. So when it comes to screening, uh, both fortunately and sort of unfortunately, There is a blood test, PSA, um, that is available and widely used for screening of prostate cancer. It's not a prostate cancer-specific test, so it will alert people to the fact that something is wrong with their prostate, um, and that often is confusing as well. Now, we know over a million men a year get a biopsy, a needle biopsy of their prostate, because that's the way generally... Um, people get diagnosed with prostate cancer is a biopsy, and there's risk with biopsy. So people need to talk to their trusted doctors. Um, The sort of conservative position is that by age 50 or so, you need to be talking to your doctor for sure. We advocate that people do that earlier, especially if you're one of those men at risk, even as early as age 35 or 40 to get a baseline PSA blood test. Um, to get you to be aware, to talk to your doctor, to find out so you're fully informed of both the advantages and the disadvantages of screening. But it is your decision. It's nobody else can tell you what to do about your particular situation. And as we know from the time we've been children, that each of us is unique. Each of our bodies are unique. Um, Each of our situations are unique. And what we do is encourage men and those around them to be very active in their health care. Great. Well, and, and, you know, we we support patients making informed decisions as well. And so, um, you know, we... 
we you know fully agree with what you are doing um, to really educate patients on what their options are, the risk benefit profiles, the kind of questions they should be asking their healthcare professional, and take that conversation um, directly into that to that environment. You know, we always say, especially when we're talking about our open to options program, that there's um, there 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 is always a right decision for you. And sometimes that takes a little bit of working through to make sure that you make the right decision for you. It does take working through, doesn't it? And people need, and that's one of the forms of support and empowerment is to have people think about, spend some time um, on yourself and on these decisions. Because as we all know, when there's risk of cancer, you enter sort of a whole new world of understanding of your body and of the healthcare system. And that's the power of uh, that people have who've been through this experience and how they can help others. Yep. No, I absolutely agree. Um, so can you tell us a little bit more, You, when you were first talking about some of the changes um, happening in prostate cancer, so beyond the diagnosis and the, the screening, you know, maybe you could talk a little bit about um, just the the broader ways in which prostate cancer is treated? You know, if, if somebody is in that phase of being diagnosed, you know, what, what would they expect would be possible treatments for them? Um, there's a whole variety of them, first of all, so that's good. And it's also scary and bad uh, because it's a tough decision. There's everything from, well, I think one of the things that's unique about prostate cancer that compared to some of the other cancers is urologists play a strong role in prostate cancer, and often the first doctor you'll see, the first specialist you'll see will be a urologist, especially if there's something going on with your PSA screening. Again, you may not have prostate cancer. You may have some other issue with your prostate, and as men age, we all have issues, pretty much all of us have issues related to our prostate, and um, so many men often see a urologist. Um, urologists are trained as surgeons, so there are surgical interventions, um, and over the last number of years, we've seen robotic surgery come to the surface. Um, there's often radiation issues, everything from seeds implanted into your prostate to external beam to some of the newer, uh, more specific and targeted uh, use of uh, radiation. Um, there are hormones that are used. Uh, prostate cancer essentially feeds on your testosterone, so there are ways of lowering um, your testosterone levels and managing your hormones, which have all of these interventions have very serious side effects, So, um, and which are often very important to man's sexuality and intimacy. Um, so these all are a bit scary for people, and men often will try to avoid even dealing with the issue. So we want to make sure that um, they have support and the latest information because things keep changing about interventions. There are new chemotherapies, new use of radiation interventions, um, all of which uh, have been approved within the last number of years and uh, are demonstrating extended life benefits. So um, what we want to make sure is that um, we understand sort of this rich environment of interventions and learn ways to communicate with our physicians and our experts uh, on our team as we move forward and be the CEO of our own healthcare team or the quarterback of our healthcare team, as we often talk about. Mm-hmm. 
Well, and I'll mention a service that we have um, for patients who uh, seek cancer support community resources, and we would certainly extend the invitation to uh, anyone who needs a a similar uh, service. But we have a program, it's called Open to Options, and it is a treatment decision counseling program. It's one-on-one with one of our counselors where we really try to help patients um, come to the decision around what is right for them in the context of making a healthcare decision. So the idea would be that they would walk away with a written report that they would then be able to take back to their physician to help them communicate what is really important to them, whether it be around side effects or around preservation of uh, a family unit or finances, whatever it might be for that particular patient. Um, so I'll just mention access to that is um, either in one of our face-to-face facilities, and Tom, we're more than happy to work with you um, on that in ways that we could extend that to your support network, or patients can access that by calling our helpline. We mentioned the number earlier, but I'll repeat it here. It is 1-888-793-9355. So, That's Tom, great, Linda, and I think that, that blended with the um, volunteer support and educational materials we have here at us, too, specific to prostate cancer is a great blend that's going to be very helpful to to the men and the family members that are wrestling with the disease. Yeah, that's great. And that's one of the the things I love about about our relationship, uh, the CSC, us two relationship, is being able to to combine those resources for the benefit of of patients. Um, We are going to have to take another quick commercial break, but after we return, we'll hear more about the work of us two and dig into some of the special considerations for patients and families who are um, affected by and living with prostate cancer. This radio show is made possible in part by sponsors ASI, Genentech, and Amgen. We'll be right back after this break. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. People living with breast cancer often find it difficult to ask for help, and many of the people in their lives want to help but don't know how. During National Breast Cancer Awareness Month, Cancer Support Community is proud to support Meal Trains sponsored by Magnolia, which utilizes Mealtrain.com, a free shared online calendar to streamline the process of giving and receiving meals for families coping with breast cancer. Help us reach our goal of 1,000 new breast cancer-specific meal trains this October. To learn more, visit Mealtrain.com MMT and enter the code MAGNOLIAB or visit us at cancersupportcommunity.org. Effective cancer treatment requires more than just medication or surgery. For the country's 12 million cancer survivors and their loved ones, the social and emotional challenges of adapting to life with cancer are ongoing. How to handle co-workers' questions, how to get comfortable with new physical realities, how to reassure worried family members, or explain to friends your priorities have changed. The Cancer Support Community is ready to help by providing free counseling, education, and hope for survivors and their caregivers. Whether online or at over 100 locations around the world, the Cancer Support Community is ready to offer the support you need to live a better life with cancer. For more information on support groups, publications, nutrition, exercise programs, and more, call 1-888-793-9355. Or visit us online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. The Cancer Support Community, a global network of education and hope. 
Hi, I'm Nick Nicolaitis, President and CEO of Morphotech, and we're delighted to be a sponsor of Cancer Support Community's Frankly Speaking About Cancer series. Morphotech and its parent company, Azi, are committed to human health care, and we recognize that patients and their families are the most important participants in the healthcare process. We salute our global advocacy partners who are devoted to improving the lives of people touched by cancer every day. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. Welcome back to Frankly Speaking About Cancer. My name is Linda House. I am the Executive Vice President for the Cancer Support Community, and I am joined today by Tom Kirk, who is the CEO of Us Too. We're so sorry that Kim Tebaldo is unable to join you today, but I'm happy to be standing in for her, and we are having just a great show. I hope um, that you guys in the audience are benefiting from the information that you are receiving, and um, we are talking today about a broad range of things related to prostate cancer. We've heard from Tom about Us Too and some of the resources that us two brings to this community. We have just heard in the past segment about prostate cancer generally, how it is diagnosed, what are some of the questions that currently uh, exist around screening for prostate cancer, some of the new ways in which it is treated. And Tom, I would love to just kind of focus a little bit more on uh, the resources that are available for families. You know, we've talked that there's some question about who should be screened, when they should be screened, the frequency you know, with which they should be screened. We've talked about the great thing, which is a number of treatment options that are available to patients, whether they are diagnosed in the early stage or whether they're diagnosed in, in later stage. But you know, if, if, if I'm listening to this show you know, and I'm getting all of this information, I would love to be, um, to be pointed in the direction of some key resources for me to get my hands on in the next couple of days. What would those be? Sure. Well, I, I would encourage people to come and visit our um, website, um, which is filled with all sorts of different information to help people. Um, and also we have an 800 line that we mentioned earlier. Again, it's 800-808-7866. Um, and we have individual um, survivors and who are willing to talk to you, so we'll match you one-on-one -on -one with people who have similar uh, kind of experience to your question area. Um, and then we have a variety of information for people. Uh, we have brochures and information about partners and what sort of what you need to know about your partner's prostate cancer. We have basic information about finding out about prostate cancer to start out. We have kits of material that people can have as a newly diagnosed person. Um, and uh, if you're wrestling with a reoccurrence or metastatic disease, we have kits of information as well, um, ways to empower yourself. And, in fact, we have a document called Seven Principles for Managing Advanced Disease, which was created by survivors. So we talk about ways that people, uh, these principles that they can follow. Um, so we have a variety of information. Either you can talk to people individually. You can also join a social community 24 hours a day, seven days a week, where you can ask others questions um, in a whole variety of areas. So um, we're, we're here for people. We have a variety of information. And I think what we have here are people who are 
experienced with the disease and uh, are willing to talk to others. So, um, you know, we often talk about the Chinese proverb about to stand, understand the road ahead, ask someone who is returning. So we, we see the power of of uh, people being veterans and learning something they may not have wanted to learn, but uh, we certainly um, are here to help people. Now, nobody should try to wrestle with uh, disease like prostate cancer alone. And um, so, so on your website, listeners mm-hmm. can find their local community support groups. Is that? Yes, they can. Mm-hmm. Great. And um, do you also have support groups? You know, I know in, in some of the work that we do, we, we tend to see more women than men. And we talked about that in the first segment about why that might be. Um, part of that is because there's such a large population of women living with breast cancer, thank goodness, um, today. D- you know, do you also have support groups that are for wives or partners of men with prostate cancer, or mostly the support groups are for the men with prostate cancer? Um, I am always amazed when I go to a support group, the number of women who are there um, with their uh, with their husbands, with their partners. Um, we do have some specialized groups. They're sort of um, sporadic and mixed around the country because, again, we're very grassroots and we um, encourage people and uh, to form specialized groups. There are many groups in the country that um, people will come together in the beginning. They'll break out into a separate uh, session for a while with just partners. Um, and in some communities, we're also very sensitive and aware of the gay community um, and the importance of partnership uh, and partners um, not necessarily being marital partners. So. We want to make sure that we serve as many populations as we can. Yeah, that's great. And that's uh, really, really uh, important. So thank you for the work that you're doing there. You know, when you talk about raising awareness and really encouraging men and families to attend the groups, you know, what are some of the, the things that our listeners can do as they know or learn of someone who might have prostate cancer? How can you really get them to that point where they they might be uh, interested and willing to participate. And, and you know, when I say participate, I think about a number of ways, not just in a support group, because that might not be the right thing for everybody. Um, right. But they could participate in other ways, becoming one of your educational ambassadors. So just speak to, you know, what are the ways in which they can participate and how can our listeners encourage their uh, connections or their loved ones to do so? Well, in a month like this, in September in particular, when it's Prostate Cancer Awareness Month, we have a special opportunity. Um, so we have available um, different sorts of materials people can use to raise awareness. We have um, people who have experience in raising awareness in their community. We encourage people to talk to their media, talk to each other, um, and to make sure that there's an awareness level within their community. And it need, you need a volunteer and people in their community to speak up and tell their story. And again, a lot of uh, challenge with prostate cancer is that we're a bit behind, um, although we do see a, raise, a raising level or a rising level um, of awareness of prostate cancer, certainly more than we saw 10 years ago when I first came here to us to, um, and certainly more in the last five years. We encourage people to do events, uh, everything from encouraging people to light their buildings blue um, to actually having um, events within their local communities, everything from a, a, a education session to a just plain blues festival, for example, um, in a local club. 
to raise awareness and talk about it. We often work very closely with another organization called Pints for Prostates, where we'll have a get-together in a, in a, in a tavern or a bar to uh, talk um, openly about prostate cancer and raise a few dollars along the way. So it's those kind of events uh, here in September. Um, we have uh, literature and material people can pass out. All of that's free and available. We have uh, blue ribbons and wristbands available for people to raise awareness. We often will do these kind of radio shows also to help uh, spread the word because there's great messages out there, great hope available. There's much better treatments uh, and um you know, never giving up is is part of the issue here in pushing forward an awareness of prostate cancer. Mm-hmm. Well, and one of the things that I would also like to mention um, is that the cancer exper- or the cancer support community has a cancer experience registry, and while um, that is um, geared toward all patients, we certainly would welcome patients with lung or uh, prostate cancer to join us um, so that we can learn more about their experience. And as you know, Tom, we um, share that information um, broadly de-identified, so it is confidential for patients, but we we share the learnings from that cancer experience registry with your organizations and others so that as we're thinking about what solutions we're providing for patients, we're doing that based on uh, patient feedback. And so for those of you listening to the show today, if you know someone who has been impacted by prostate cancer, Cancer, we would love for them to, to join the Cancer Experience Registry. That website is www.cancerexperienceregistry.org. And um, in forming that community, we do communicate pretty regularly the results um, with the patients who join us, um, as well as organizations, again, like yours, Tom, um, and others. But we hope through that, that registry in particular that we will be able to answer some of these care questions and support needs um, as people move, move through their cancer journey. So, you again, bet, Linda. You, you bet, Linda. And, and what's so important, I think, is um, having people tell their story and getting that story out so that it's not just a media story, but it's real people talking about the real challenges of incontinence and in- intimacy that often people are afraid of with a prostate cancer diagnosis. And companies are helping spread the message uh, as well. And that's so important for us in the community to have people speak up and tell the real stories of prostate cancer because that's filled with hope. Oh, absolutely. Well, and, and a lot of learnings. Again, you you know how much it costs to create some of uh, the educational tools that you create and some of the educational tools that we create, and we would love to be able to really target those toward what patients really need. So um, it's critically important, and I'll just uh, repeat that website uh, quickly here. It is www.cancerexperienceregistry.org. So we are going to run to a quick commercial break, and when we come back, um, I'd like to talk a little bit more about uh, awareness and support. We've been covering a lot of that on today's show, so thank you so much, Tom, for for doing that. But I want to get into some uh, other areas of specifics. So if you are a listener, I would encourage you to grab a pen and a piece of paper. We will repeat all of the resources that we've provided to you so far so that you can write those down and a little bit more in the next segment. This is Frankly Speaking About Cancer, is sponsored in part by AstraZeneca, Millennium, the Takeda Oncology Company, and Purdue Pharma. Please join us after this quick break. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. 
Cancer Support Community is proud to be a partner of Magnolia Meals at Home, a new pilot program that aims to help patients by providing nourishing meals to households affected by breast cancer so loved ones can spend more quality time together. This program is currently available in and around two pilot cities, Andover, Massachusetts and Woodcliffe Lake, New Jersey. Participants will receive one delivery of meals every month for up to six months when enrolled in the program. Each delivery includes up to seven meals designed to help meet the nutritional needs of people living with breast cancer and 10 meals for family members. This novel program is brought to you by the AZI Women's Oncology Program, Magnolia. Cancer Care, the Cancer Support Community, and Meals on Wheels Association of America. To find out if you or loved ones are eligible, visit online at www.magnoliamealsathome.com or call 617-733-5848. Cancer. It's a lonely word. Terms I don't understand. Choices I never thought I'd have to make. But there is hope and help. Support from cancer survivors. Links to research and clinical trials. Help with finances and access to care. All behind you at Breakaway from Cancer. Created by Amgen to empower cancer patients. The Cancer Support Community is proud to be a partner of Breakaway from Cancer. Hi, I'm Nick Nicolaitis, President and CEO of Morphotech, and we're delighted to be a sponsor of Cancer Support Community's Frankly Speaking About Cancer series. Morphotech and its parent company, Azi, are committed to human health care, and we recognize that patients and their families are the most important participants in the health care process. We salute our global advocacy partners who are devoted to improving the lives of people touched by cancer every day. Your life, your health, your network. This is Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. Welcome back to Frankly Speaking About Cancer. My name is Linda House. I'm the Executive Vice President for External Affairs here at the Cancer Support Community. I'm filling in today for our CEO, Kim Tibaldo, who is off, and I really appreciate having Tom Kirk from us to join us today as we are talking about prostate cancer and prostate cancer awareness month, which is this month in September. Um, so Tom, you know, and uh, the big focus for you, not the big focus, a big focus for you is um, establishing and making sure that you have support groups available in as many communities as are needed. So could you just talk to us a little bit more about the process of creating a support group? You bet. Um, it's, it's a very important function. It's one of the, the primary ways that us two um, supports people is to have people they can talk to in their own community who are providing leadership and being out front and knowledgeable about the latest information on prostate cancer. So this office um, plays a role and function um, to find volunteers, to respond to volunteers who are interested in being a leader and in, in playing an advocacy and support role and an education role in their community. The fastest and easiest way to find information if you're interested in doing that in your community, and I have nothing but praise for the individuals who stand up based on their own experience and are willing to play that leadership role in their community. We have an individual here who we can um, have talk to you and consult with you. We will match you with other people either in your area um, or 
um, who have a, a similar background to you. So we'll help match that volunteer who's an experienced leader. Um, we have materials available for you. We have suggestions on how to do that. Um, and we try to keep the paperwork to a minimum to have people fill out forms. But this is a way to empower your whole community around awareness and support um, based on your own experience um, as a leader. And not all, you know, let's be clear here that not all of the leaders act alone. We want to encourage people to form a steering committee to get people to help you so that you're not the only one trying to struggle to lead and, and form a new group. Um, we'll encourage you to match up even with a spouse or another individual because remember the support groups are not just about the men who have the disease and this affects the entire family. So we want to make sure that um, leadership is supported um, and that communication is carried on so that you have so you know you're not alone as a leader. So we want we want to make sure that those who are providing support and education as a leader in their community have that support as well. Well, and I think too that um, I'd like to throw out that um, that listeners shouldn't be concerned necessarily about space. Um, you know, and in particular, I know that your team knows how to identify where we have a local affiliate and we've, co- we've coordinated the use of our space, um, you know, over, over time. And then I also find that there are a number of communities and leaders in communities who are very willing and happy to offer up their space, whether it's a hospital or a church or a barber shop, um, whatever that might be, that that should be um, low on the list of concerns um, as, as individuals are thinking about how to start a new program. Would you agree with that? I, I totally agree with that, and um, it's that kind of community partnership that's important for running a support group. Um, it's, it's, it's often, it, and money doesn't need to be a barrier either. Um, this is about creating a, affordable options, and you're right about partnering with other organizations, and there's always people out there who are willing to help. Um, so stepping forward, um, one of the lessons I, I learned um, in watching the um, recent program about Stand Up to Cancer was the prostate cancer interview that they did. It's all about starting. It's not so much about finishing when you have cancer. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And I, I heard somebody say to me recently that if you want to, if you want to lay a train track to California, you start heading, tra- you start laying tracks west. At least that's exactly right. East coast, <laughs> where we well, are. And- and that's what's so magic about us, too, in organizations like ours, is that it's about volunteers, people helping themselves, people being empowered, fighting back against their disease, um, and learning ways to live and be happy. And, and can you speak to just a little bit about the benefit of bringing like people together in the types of support groups that you, that you do, some of the benefits that you see? Well, I'm a big believer in collaboration. I, I don't think any of us have enough resources um, to do things alone the way we want to. I also think cancer and serious diseases teach us the lesson that you, you don't have this necessarily. You can't do this alone. And that's not an admission of weakness. That's a, a sign of leadership and power to recognize that collaborations are the way to move forward. It takes an entire community uh, to help you and people care about you. Um, and it's important to, to be powerful in that way. Being powerful um, and a leader doesn't necessarily mean you're the one who's going to do this alone. And that's not a sign of weakness. It's a new way that we as men need to understand the way of power is to collaborate. 
Yeah. And, and, you know, I would, I would agree with you saying it's not a sign of weakness and I would take the extra step to say that I actually think it's a sign of empowerment and personal empowerment yes. to take that step. Yes. And for yeah. some of us, we learn that by, you know, uh, living through a disease and, and learning that you're, you're not all powerful and you're not an island. You, you, people care about you and being powerful means giving back and being, allowing others to care about you as well. Mm-hmm. Well, and to your analogy of being the quarterback of your team, sometimes you let others block for you. Yes. Yep. Yes. So, That's Tom, exactly we, are, right. we are winding down the show. We have just about two minutes left. Um, I just want to make sure that we repeat a couple of things. Number one, I'd like for you to repeat, <clears throat> excuse me, your website and your telephone number. And then I understand that you have a pretty big initiative to benefit your organization happening now. If you could just tell us a little bit about that. You bet. Um, first of all, our 800 number is 1-800-808-7866, which spells out us too, by the way. And our website is www.us2.org, so it's U-S-T-O-O dot O-R-G. Um, and, of course, speaking about how we partner and collaborate with people, we certainly thank our sponsors and our individual donors Without making those kind of donations and raising awareness, we just simply wouldn't exist in the in the voluntary sector. And of course, with prostate cancer, we face many fears, and one of the big fears we have is incontinence and intimacy. And amongst our many many sponsors, um, this month in September, we have a great collaboration going with Wherever, um, who are who are going to match uh, 10% of their product purchases to us to. Um, so feel free on our webpage to look for those ways to support um, us, too. Great. Thank you. And I want to just um, just repeat some of the resources that I've been mentioning today. So our website is www.cancersupportcommunity.org. And in particular, we talked about the Cancer Experience Registry, where it would be wonderful to get additional information from men with prostate cancer. Um, it is www.cancersupportcommunity.org cancerexperienceregistry.org, no space between the words, and um, I'll say stay tuned because we are also launching a caregiver registry in the next couple of months, and that'll be critically important to hear from partners, both men and women of uh, men who have prostate cancer. So www.cancerexperienceregistry.org. So Tom, I want to thank you for being on the show today. Thank you so much for sharing your story, for sharing Margaret's story, and please give her my best. Um, and the mission of, um, of us, too. So thank you for what you're doing to bring awareness to prostate cancer and provide support to all those affected. Um, this show has been made possible in part by our sponsors, including McKesson's Giving Comfort Program, Bristol-Myers Squibb, and Morphotech. To all of our listeners, thank you for joining us today for Frankly Speaking About Cancer. Again, I'm Linda House. I was just filling in for Kim Thibodeau, who will be back with you next week. As you know, the Cancer Support Community provides a multitude of in-person, online, and over-the-phone support. If you or someone you know is faced with a cancer diagnosis, you do not have to do it alone. For more information about our programs, please visit us on our website, as we've mentioned, and or call us on our helpline, which is 888 793-9355 to speak with one of our licensed mental health professionals Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 8 p.m. And before we end, I just want to mention to you that if you have a topic you would like for us to cover on Frankly Speaking, please email us at news at cancersupportcommunity.org. Until next time, be well, do well, live well. 
Thank you for joining us for Frankly Speaking About Cancer with your host, Kim Tibaldo. We're here for you every Tuesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. In the meantime, stay connected online at cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.